everyone, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's episode, we're going to begin season nine talking about the church, mega church culture, the Tower of Babel, and Pentecost. It is good to be back with you guys again. This is a bit of a later start than I think any season has ever had, but life has been a titch bit crazy around here with school starting and my son playing soccer for our school this year and this young adult college and career group that we're starting at my church. It's it's been a lot, and so I haven't had the time to really get this podcast going that I really was hoping to have, but here we are starting season nine. And we're going to be talking a lot in the coming weeks about church. Just what is going on in the church? What are some things that we need to think about with church? Are we doing church right? Is there a different way? Can we reform it from the inside out? Just a lot of thoughts about our church and the church culture. And really just kind of digging into Gen Z a little bit. I'm kind of obsessed with them right now. Like I said, I have this college and career group that's starting. And I've been following different newspaper things that have been happening lately with them and just, yeah, just stuff like that. So we're really just going to talk about a lot of things with church and Gen Z. So I'm excited about that. But today we're going to talk about megachurch culture, the Tower of Babel, and Pentecost. So a couple weeks ago, I found an advertisement on Facebook from one of the local megachurches in our area that already has two large campuses talking about how they were going to be opening a satellite campus at the school where I teach. And the goal of this campus was to reach people in, you know, the north of Grand Rapids area kind of thing. But it's a satellite campus in that worship is going to be streamed and the message is streamed and there's volunteers running the children's programming and stuff like that. And I don't know, I'm not trying to criticize this church. I actually have some great friends who go there. I think the heart behind what they're doing is good. But I think that they are just kind of consumed in this mega church culture that we have accepted here in America and maybe aren't even really thinking about it. And it just made me start to wonder, like, are we doing it right? And then a few days later, I was driving, just driving to drive, talking to Jesus, getting some stuff out there. And I just happened to drive past one of the campuses of this church. And I was shocked by the size of it. The parking lot was massive and the building was massive and there on the side of the building was this large name plastered that this is who we are. And I couldn't help but think of a sentence from Genesis, we will build a name for ourselves. That's from the story of the Tower of Babel. And I've really been thinking about this a lot lately in our church culture, just how we are building this name for ourselves. And you think about all the different megachurches and how they're just ready to get so big and we'll have another campus and we'll have, you know, another building and we'll build a bigger building and a bigger parking lot. And I don't know, guys, I just, I don't know if we're doing it right. And so I started looking into this story of the Tower of Babel. And if you're familiar with any kind of Hebrew storytelling, um, you'll recognize this is actually a chiasm, which is kind of a way of poetic way of writing things, but the different sentences kind of tie in with other sentences around them. And this one is written kind of as a sandwich, like the story is a whole sandwich. There's seven statements, 
Then there's a middle of the story and there's another seven statements that literally tie in with the one above it. So it's kind of like an A, B, C, D. I lost track. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, a middle statement. And then it kind of goes backwards. G, F, E, D, C, B, A, something like that. And uh, it's really fun when you look into it. So I did some study. I sat there for like an hour one night, just really digging into the netbible.org, all these different commentaries, all these different people talking about it, different articles, the Hebrew words, the chiastic structure of the story. Guys, it's fascinating. The story is just so put together. Like basically the idea of like people do things, God comes down and inspects what they've done, and then he takes divine action. And the story is literally written in these couplings. And so if you look at it, this starts with like the whole earth had this common language and it ends with all the different languages caused this confusion and people were scattered across the face of the earth. They wanted to settle somewhere and not be scattered. At the end of the story, they are scattered. They say to one another and they speak to one another. And at the end, their languages are completely confused and they can no longer speak to one another. They say, come, let us make bricks and build this city and tower. But the Lord comes down. That's the whole middle of the sentence. The Lord comes down, middle of the structure, to inspect what they've done. And he speaks and he says, let us mix up their languages. So they want to mix up bricks. They're going to build a tower in a city. The Lord comes down to see the tower and city. He says, let us mix up the languages of the people. And then they end up being scattered from there, which is the very thing they didn't want. There are layers and layers to this story that you could dig into. You could look at the various Mesopotamian stories of how language was created and compare them to this Hebrew story of how language is created. Like there's so many things we could dig into. But as I was thinking about the Tower of Babel, it just struck me that there was another story in scripture that talked about mixed up languages and a scattering of people. And that would be in Pentecost. And so I looked up that story and it was so intriguing to see the parallels between the Tower of Babel and Pentecost. They were all together in one place. The disciples were all together in one place after Jesus' death and resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And the wind fills the house. The Holy Spirit comes down and dwells upon each of them. And then they begin to speak in a variety of languages that they did not know before this time. And these are real languages because the people who are in Jerusalem for the different feasts can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own native language. And 3,000 people believe Jesus to be the Savior and they become saved that day. And it's this crazy thing that happens. Peter talks about how it's this prophecy from Joel that is including all ages, genders, classes of people who are going to be speaking and sharing Jesus, sharing God with people. And it's, it's beautiful. The believers are together. They're gathered together. They're one heart and mind. They're holding things in common. And they're living this good life in Jerusalem together until persecution comes and they are forced to scatter. But as they scatter, they take the name of Jesus with them and they share the good news of Jesus wherever they go guys, the parallels and the differences are just in stark contrast to me, where you have all the people gathered in one place. That was the same. God comes down. 
But then in the Babel, the, the language is being disrupted. That was a kind of a judgment against them and the way they were trying to just do their own thing and not look after God, not seek God. They were trying to build a tower in a city that would ascend to God. They were trying to be like God. And God comes down in this way that he's like, I can't even see your city until I come down from heaven and inspect it. It's so small. It's so insignificant. And the judgment that comes is the scattering of languages. And the people end up being scattered because they can no longer understand one another. And at Pentecost, God comes down and he gifts them with language. It is a gift to them to be able to speak in these many languages so that people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ and be saved. It's beautiful. The scattering in the Tower of Babel is kind of a result of the judgment. And the scattering that happens after the church is persecuted is something that God uses to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world. And to see the parallels was just so fascinating. I wanted to make sure I wasn't the only person who ever noticed this, and so I Googled it. And sure enough, there's lots of different articles and people commenting on the similarities and how Pentecost was almost a reversal of the Tower of Babel, like a redemption of the Tower of Babel. And so I'm thinking to myself, are churches, are they like Pentecost? Or are they like the people in Babel? And I hate to say, I think we're more like the people in the Tower of Babel who want to build a name for themselves than we are people who are willing to spread the name of Jesus. If you look at this megachurch mentality that we have, and you look at the way that we gather up people, resources, we build these massive buildings, we spend so much money in maintaining the buildings and the electricity and the water for the buildings, in the massive amount of staff it requires to have these buildings, to have the programs that we create. We created this consumer mentality. People come to our churches to get something. They don't come to gather to share the name of Jesus together. They don't come to be in community with one another, to hold things in common, to be of one heart and one mind. They come to consume. They come to consume a beautiful presented worship service. They come to consume a carefully worded sermon. And so many times it becomes about the fame of this church and the fame of this pastor and the fame of this worship leader. And it is no longer about Jesus. It's no longer about lifting up the name of Jesus. And we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to have to scatter and create new churches for ourselves. We don't want to take the word somewhere that maybe might be uncomfortable for us. We like our big, fancy, cozy mega churches. We like feeling special and we like sitting there and letting other people give to us and feed us. We don't want to have to feed others. I think this is why things are falling apart. I think we're missing it. Guys, I think about Gen Z. I'm so intrigued by them. I'm so intrigued by what is going on in their hearts with God, whether it's the revivals that happened at Asbury University this spring and then spread to other universities and colleges whether it's what just happened at Auburn that Jenny Allen was posting, where like hundreds of kids came down and got baptized just spontaneously. They're hungry. They want something real. They're seeking God and they're finding him. But I have to wonder, like, is the church equipped to disciple them? Is it equipped to show them Jesus? Or are they going to not come back to our buildings because they recognize that it's fake? They recognize that it's not really Jesus. It's not about the name of Jesus. It's about our own names that we've created. 
I hear so many people wailing about like the state of the church and how the church is declining and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, I don't know if that's really true. Maybe the corporate church is declining. Maybe the buildings and the people and the money and all of that kind of stuff is declining. But are the followers of Jesus really declining? Or they just stopped coming to the doors of our church because our church is a wreck? You look at just the awful things that have happened in the last few years of pastors and leaders just being exposed for abuse, for embezzlement, just for misconduct, sexual harassment. It's wrong. It's messed up. And are we going to be equipped to teach this younger generation how to find Jesus? Or are they going to have to be the ones that teach us because we've missed him? Are they going to be the ones living in community with one another and then going out and sharing Jesus to the world, to us? There are so many things wrong with our modern evangelical church right now truly broken and it breaks my heart because i don't think it was ever supposed to be this way but we've created a monster we've created this thing i'm not sure we can even stop it now like what do you even do how do we even start over how does this become something where it's about a community and about people just gathering together and that we are encouraging one another we are speaking the word of christ to one another we are praying with one another we are sharing a word from god for one another And that we're there together as a community, as a a group of people that are seeking Jesus together. Not just as consumers coming to get something that somebody who's paid to do it is giving to us. Like We've done this to ourselves, guys. We've created this culture that is ripe for narcissists to come in, take over, and abuse. And we've done it to ourselves. We've allowed it to happen. And I think much of it is because we're not willing to be uncomfortable and to scatter. It's more comfortable to gather together and to be fancy and have lots of money and lots of people and a big building than it is to start a new little church, to reach into the actual community, to love the people around us. We're making a name for ourselves and we're not exalting the name of Jesus. And nothing good happens in the end of that story of Babel. They no longer can understand one another. They no longer can work together for a common goal, a common interest. And they scatter according to their language that they understand. Now, good things come because the next part of the story, we start to see Abram and Sarah and God begins to work in that family and he begins to build the nation that eventually is going to be the place where Jesus comes and lives and dies. And so it's not like it's helpless. It's not like we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's all over. But I think it's time for us to evaluate and to really think about this. Like, what have we done? And what do we need to do to make this different? And how can we be people who are seeking truth and seeking reality and seeking simplicity in the way that like Gen Z is? We're going to be talking a lot about different church things in the next few weeks. Just thinking through some of the stuff that we've accepted and also thinking through some of the stuff that we're just pushing and rejecting right now. And just what is it that Jesus wants from us? What do we really need and how do we fight this and how do we change this and all of that good stuff. So I look forward to talking with you. I'm so happy to be back having these conversations with you. Thanks for listening, you guys. And as always, until next time, don't ever stop searching. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to have you join me over on my Substack at christylynnwood.substack.com for newsletters, notes, and a community of people who are searching for the real God.